Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. Running with the Giants. We're starting a series, uh, and really what this is, is it's just an opportunity from, uh, for us to talk about the Giants of faith. We really get our text from Hebrews chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down and so easily trips us up, especially the sin. And it says, and let us run the race with endurance that God has set before us. This scripture, really this text, we get this running with the giant's theme of where it says surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses. We are surrounded by a, a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith who are cheering us on. They're cheering our lives on. They're cheering us on there. And, you know, kind of this, this text running with the giants really would be like if we were running a lap in a race. If you don't like cardio like me, you're walking a lap. Come on, somebody. Okay. You're walking a lap. It's, it'd be like pulling these biblical characters out of the, the audience and saying, out of the crowd and saying, hey, walk a lap with me. Run a lap with me. Hey, what do you think about 2021? What do you think about what's going on right now in the times we're in? What, would you, what advice would you give us? What would you, what would you encourage us with? And so today I want to talk to you about one of the most famous biblical characters, and that's the man named Paul. man named Paul. Many of you know the scripture of Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament. He wrote most of the New Testament. But if we could, if we could pull Paul down from the crowd and say, hey, walk a lap with me. I really believe Paul, uh, what he would say, yeah, I wrote some great theology. He said, yeah, I wrote some great doctrine. I believe that. But I also think Paul would say this. I think he would say this. In life, there are many trials. In life, there are many trials. But God is our strength. In life, there are many trials. You cannot get away from trials. When we become Christians, sometimes the concept can be that God's now this easy button. Y'all know the, the commercial where you the red button, you press the button, it's like, everything's great. That's not Christianity. That, we don't, there's not an easy button where all of a sudden everything's great. In fact, I believe when we accept Christ into our lives and we become Christians, sometimes life gets harder. The Bible says the world will hate us. And so there's, there's things, the enemy's trying to come against us. And so here's what happens. When we walk through things in life, we have to realize God allows trials and tribulations in our lives. <gasps> so you're saying God doesn't care about me? You're saying God wants me to be miserable? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. In fact, we're going to talk about it today. But I believe that God, if we could get down with Paul and we could just say, hey, walk a lap with him. He would say, listen, there's going to be trials. There, you've probably all walked through a trial. In fact, we all have walked through a trial. If you're any sort of age, you've walked through some sort of difficulty in your life. And he's gonna, he would say, and there's going to be more. Man, thanks a lot, Paul. Appreciate you. But he would say, but God is our strength. I want to show it to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. It says, but he said to me, this is Paul speaking about God. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, check this out, I delight in weakness. I delight in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
Paul right here says, listen, this is what I want you to know. He says, here's what I want you to know. I want you to know I delight when I go through a hard time. I hate to tell you, Paul, you're a little crazy. You're like, oh, you're a pastor. You can't call Paul crazy. Well, here in this scripture, it's a little, it sounds a little crazy. He's saying, listen, when you go through a hard time, I want you to, I want you to know I actually get excited. I get hyped. I get it. Why? Because I know that in my weakness, God is made strong. See, he says, I delight in it. I, take, I, I get happy about it. I'm going through a hard time. I can't pay my bill. Praise God, I'm getting excited about not paying bills. Paul, what? Yep, I'm going through a sickness. Woo! Sickness! What are you talking about, Paul? Why? Because he knows this concept of understanding that in our weakness, God is made strong in us. James chapter 1 and verse 2, it says, Consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy. Another translation says rejoice. Like celebrate. Consider it pure joy. All great, all good, all good, good, all good vibes. You know what I'm saying? For those that you know what that is, I don't even know what that is, but all good vibes. All celebration, all happy. Consider rejoice, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that your the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And then it says this, check this out. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Paul says, I delight when I go through trials, when I, when I don't have enough money to eat or when I'm cold at night and I don't have a blanket. I, he says, I rejoice. I delight and I get excited. Then James says, listen, I want you to do the same things. He says, I want you to rejoice when you go through trials of many kinds. Why? He says, because you, when you do this, your perseverance will, will help you become mature, not lacking anything. See, I believe in it. we're in a season and a time in our generation, our culture, where God is looking for mature believers. God is looking for people to be mature, strong believers. Well, here's what's crazy. Maturity only comes, and it comes through other ways too, but it, it also comes through trials. There's maturity that comes through us facing and walking through trials. That doesn't sound fun at all. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't get all excited when I'm walking through a hard time and be like, oh yeah, man, Jesus, you're so good maturing me, praise God. And here's what maturity is too. We have to understand that maturity is not just knowing. It's also growing. Maturity is not just us knowing the Bible. I'm all for knowing the Bible. We should know the Bible. We should know the truth. We should read the truth. We should study the truth. We should know the word. But if it stops here, we're off. There has to be this maturing of us understanding. We understand what the word is saying. And now God is beginning to stretch me and grow me into more mature, a more mature Christian to be more like him in my life. So Paul says, I delight in it. James says, I want you to rejoice in it. Why? Because it's going to help you continue to mature into who God's called you to be. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 7 it says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Through your, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. He says our, our trials will show that our faith is genuine. Trials will show that our faith is authentic. Nobody likes the fake stuff. Nobody goes like to Texas and like, yeah, give me the fake barbecue. 
I'm going to go, you drive all the way to Texas, you know what I'm saying? You're like, yeah, Texas, uh, guns, you know, whatever it is for Texas. We love Texas. Nobody goes to Texas, and here's what happens. Nobody's like, oh, here's what we should do. We should go to Sonny's. No offense to Sonny's. We love Sonny's, but that's not authentic barbecue. You go to Texas, you're like, listen, I want to get the authentic barbecue. I want the ribs. I want the stuff just juicy. I, I, want, I want the authentic barbecue. Why? Because authentic is real. For Christians as believers, God is wanting us to have an authentic faith. Meaning this, you're like, well, what's the difference from like fake faith and authentic faith? Here's what I mean by that is this. I don't want my faith to be based on anyone but me and God. I don't want my faith to be based on what somebody else told me. I don't want my faith to be based on parents. I don't want my faith to be based on a friend. I don't want my faith to be based on a church. I want my faith to be authentic, and here's how it becomes authentic. Through going through trials and seeing God is with me through every moment of my life. And every trial I walk through, I mature in my faith, and my trust goes deeper with Christ. God desires for us to know that we will walk through trials. I hear questions like, oh, why do, why do bad things happen to good people? All the time, I hear it all the time. Well, why do bad things happen? I can't really believe in a God that would let bad things happen to a good people. Well, you're off. The question's off. There's no one good. None of us are good. If you're good, oh, we'll see you later. I don't want anything to do with you. How do I know none of us are good? The Bible says that we've all fallen short. None of us are equal or can come close to who God is. And he, only he is good. And so here's what happens. Now we believe in him and he makes us righteousness. He makes us righteous through his righteousness because of us believing, not because of something we've done. Okay, so anyways, that being said, we all walk through trials. Every single one of us, whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, you have and you will continue to walk through trials. But here's what we know. God is with us. And in those trials, God is made strong in us. Paul, he was a man that was known for writing most of the New Testament. But Paul also went through many trials. The scripture says, you can read it, where he talks about he was whipped and he was beaten. The Bible talks about how he had the same whippings and lashings that Jesus had. The Bible talks about how he's imprisoned. Most of the New Testament was written in, while Paul was in prison. He was in prison. The Bible talks about how he says, I was cold and I didn't have anything to, to, to cover me. He talks about how he went hungry and he talks about being shipwrecked three different times. He talks about all these things that he's walked through and he still says, I delight in hardship. Why? Because when I am weak, he is made strong. The story I want to talk to you today about in Acts is one of those times where Paul is shipwrecked. He's imprisoned. And he's actually going as a prisoner to Rome on this ship, and this great storm happens. The great storm begins to just crash against the boat, and the Bible says for 14 days, they're just clueless, and they're just, uh, they're, they're just, they're, it's, the storm is so bad, they don't know what's going on. The Bible says actually what happens is they end up shipwrecking. The Bible says that he stays afloat, and he gets to the point where they all get to shore, they're all saved, and they're all at shore. But yet, here's what happened, even through the trial. I love Paul because even through the trial, even through the storm, even through the shipwreck, even through the floating in the just uh, drift of water, here's what happened. He still always knew God was with him. He still always knew to trust in God. I want to show you some scripture just today why I believe how, how uh, from what we can read in Paul, how our faith can be continued to be matured through the trials of this life. Acts chapter 27, 
In verse 14, it says, Before very long, the wind of hurricane force called the northeastern and swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it, and we were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Kata, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted it aboard, and then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm. The next day, they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. They, they, they got to the place where the ship was, was getting so battered, so violently battered that they began to just throw things over the bo- overboard. They'd be, the things that were weighing the boat down, they just said, it's going to sink, toss it. Here's what I know about trials. Trials come to, bring, to, to allow us to be tested, the Bible says, to, for, to, for our faith to be genuine. What, how, what, does that, what does that mean? What does that look like? Right here in this scripture shows us that, our, uh, that, that trials will allow us to be tested in our hearts. Our hearts will be tested. Trials will test our hearts. Like, what are you talking about? They're, talking, they're on a boat. They're throwing things overboard. It's nothing to do with their heart. Yes, it does. Let me explain why. Because when you really go through a trial, when you really go through a hard time, the first thing that happens is you begin to evaluate what's valuable. We begin to evaluate what is valuable. And here's what happens. We quickly begin to get rid of things in our life that carry no value. They carry weight but they carry no value. It's like when you go through a hard times with your marriage, you're not, next thing you know, you start to evaluate, okay, the amount of time I'm spending at my job, is this effective or is this just me doing this? Here's what happens. I need to evaluate what's really valuable. This marriage is more valuable. So now I need to start not, I'm not saying don't work, but I'm saying now I need to spend less time at the job and more time at home. Is that okay? Here's what it is. We quickly begin to say, okay, what in my life am, it, it needs to just say it's carrying weight, but it's not carrying value. And in life, as we face trials, here's what happens. This is the question we must ask ourselves. Okay, what in my life really matters? What in my life really matters? Do you know oftentimes when we go through a hard time, a trial, a struggle, you know, oftentimes the first thing that goes is the thing that matters most. When we go through a hard time, oftentimes the first thing that goes is our time with God. Oh, I'm financially, I'm struggling, so I got I to find more jobs. I got to get, and now I got to spend more time. Okay, well, all my stuff's going on with it at home. I got to go, and here's what happens. We remove the very thing that is the most important, and that is this, the most valuable thing, and that is our relationship with him. They get to the place, the boat is just coming, it's just, it's crazy, they're just starting to throw things overboard, then they get the third day, they start throwing even their tackle and the things that they use to get food, they just throwing it all, it just says forget it, it doesn't matter, it's all worthless, and here's what happens, here's what happens. When we get into a place of trial, our hearts are quickly tested with this. They're tested, it's tested with, is there duplicity in my heart for what really matters? The quickest way to fall is having duplicity in our hearts. Let me explain. See, when we go through a hard time, we oftentimes begin to question God. 
we start to say, God, why are you doing this? We start to say, God, this isn't, why, why, I, I, you should be better than this. God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? Why is this happening to my family? Why is this, God, why, 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 why? And we start to question God, and here's what happens. It begins to cause doubt in our heart, and then it becomes duplicity in our hearts. And then here's what happens. Now our foundation is shaky. The Bible says in Matthew, many of you know the scripture that if you build your house on the rock, when the storms come, you will be able to stand strong. But if your house is built on the sand, when the storm comes, if there's duplicity in your heart and there's not, if there's shakiness in your foundation, when the storm comes, you will fall. This is why oftentimes people, they serve God when things are good and they leave God and blame God when things are bad. See, what happens to us has nothing to do with whether God loves us or not. It has to do with God wanting to mature us into becoming the people that that he's called us to be. We have to be mature enough to say, okay, God, I want to trust you no matter what I see or what I face. A foundation that, is, that we say we value and we know, okay, so I'm standing on this. I might stand on the things of this world because I know the things of this world don't really matter. I'm standing on the things of God because I know he is the only one that matters. We must build a foundation. I'm telling you, oh my goodness, I believe this with all my heart. We are living in times where more than ever, we need to be Christians with a strong foundation in Christ. Can I say that again? I believe more than ever before, we need to have a foundation strong in Christ. Tests will come, trials will come, and will cause us to, to question God, when God is wanting us to, instead of question him, to trust him. Acts chapter 27 and verse 20, it says, The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. I love this scripture. This is so interesting to me that they're on this boat, and this boat is just, just getting battered. I mean, just getting violently just beat up. They get to the place where they can't see the stars. They can't see if it's daytime or nighttime. They can't see the sky and they can't see the sun. And, and so they get to the place where it says all hope was lost. Now, you may know this, you may not, but the reason why they're explaining this portion of the scripture like this is because what these men would do that, were, that lived on boats, that worked on boats, they would use the sun and the stars as direction on where they were. They would be able to kind of know what's north, what's east, what's south, and they would be able to know which direction to go in on their boat to get whatever, wherever it is they were going. Well, the, the, the storm was so violent and so dark that they could not tell if it was daytime or nighttime. They couldn't see the sun. They couldn't see the stars. And they got to a place where it says all hope was gone. I love this. Isn't it interesting? That God's character didn't change when all hope was gone. We oftentimes, it's so interesting. We're, we're, us Christians, we're, so, we're just so interesting. We oftentimes think we have to work up our faith to get God to move. We often think we have to get our hope worked up. Oh, I got to trust him in this storm. Oh, I got to trust him in this, in this situation. Oh, I got to trust. Oh, he, I, I gotta. And here's what happens. We think our trust and our faith changes God's perspective of us. God's perspective never changed. In fact, it's kind of funny, really sad. It, the situation got worse. It's like all hope was gone. 
Yet, there's more. Here's what hope does. Hope doesn't work something up in God to make him move on my behalf. Here's what hope does. Hope gets me to change my perspective on who he is. See, they were looking at the storm. They were looking at the sun. They were looking for the storm. And they, they could not see it, and so they lost all hope. Here's what they were doing. They were looking at the situation through natural eyes. God was wanting them to look at this situation through the eyes of faith. Here's what it is. God, I understand I'm walking through something that I do not have a clue on what's going to happen. But I do know this. You are faithful. Trials will test our, our hearts. Trials will also test our hope. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23, it says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. For he who promised is faithful. Here's what I love about the story. All hope was lost. They all had no hope. They all said it's over. They all said it is what it is. It's, it's, it's done. And yet, here's what happens. Then they get into a shipwreck, and they end up shipwrecked, and they end up flo floating along in the middle of the sea, in the middle of a storm. What does this show me? It shows me this. It shows me this. Hear me. That oftentimes, when we're walking through a trial, our hope is tested on what and who we're really trusting in. See, here's what we do. We oftentimes, as Christians, will have speculations for God that we'll never say. We'll never tell God. No, no, no. We'll never tell him. But subconsciously, what, what we'll do is we'll have, we'll have stipulations. Here's what it is, God. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to follow you. But I'm expecting you to bless my business. I'm going to serve you and I'm going to follow you. But God, here's what I'm doing. I'm expecting you to make me healthy. I'm going to serve you and I'm going to follow you. But I'm expecting you to be with my kids and take care of my kids. I'm going to serve you and I'm following you. But I'm expecting you to open the doors that I want open for my future. Here's what it is, God. I'm going to serve you. But yet here, I'm going to have some expectations to it. Here's what God's saying. God wants us to say, no, we're going to have hope and trust in him. Not because of something he can do for us. But because of who he is. He is faithful no matter what we walk through in this life. Well, what are you talking about? Like, well, we're supposed to be, he's supposed to be God that like cares for us and loves us. He does care for us. He does love us. But here's what happens oftentimes. We can put our hope in a situation, in a circumstance or an outcome of a circumstance. And that's what we trust in. God is wanting us to trust in his character, not in his giftings. Is this all right? Too much? Too much? Go back home? I'll go back home. I'll rest again. Praise God. Here's what we know. We oftentimes in this life will put our hope in so many different things because we expect the outcome because that's the way it is. Let me explain. We oftentimes, when we get sickness in our body, we put our hope in medication. And I'm all for medication. Oh my goodness, I'm all for medication. Please take your medication. But here's what I know. The medication is not the source of my healing. God is. Medication is a tool that God may use to heal me, but in the end, it is not the source of my healing. Who is the source of my healing? One thing and one thing only, and that's his name, Jesus. We can put our hope in the wrong things, and it can cause us to begin to start to, start to doubt when things go wrong. Imagine with me. Here's what happens. Their, their hope was in, the, was in the stars. They knew if they could see the stars, if they could see the sun, that they'd be all right. Okay, we'll be fine. And they, they couldn't see it for so long that it got to the place where they said, it's over. 
there's no hope. We're living in times, in day and an age, in a culture, in a society where there's a lot of people putting a lot of hope in a lot of things other than Christ. And here's what I love about this story. God didn't freak out about the storm. I love that. Oh my goodness, I love this so much. He didn't, God wasn't like oh, a Northeasterner. Oh my goodness, like I could handle a Westerner's. I can, I can handle like a Southeasterner storm, but oh, a Northeasterner, oh my gosh. He's not like, Holy Spirit, what are we gonna do? Can I just encourage you for two seconds? God is not concerned about the state of where we are as humans. You're like, oh, what are you talking about concerned? He doesn't care? No, he cares. But he's not afraid or scared or freaked out about what is going on in our culture and our society. Can I just encourage you? God is not freaked out by COVID. <gasps> can you say that? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. I just did. God is not freaked out by the state of where our government is. <gasps> You're talking about the government? Yes, I'm talking about the government. We serve a God who is bigger than any storm, than any sickness, than any person, than any government, than any system. And so what we must do is not put our hope in a man or a circumstance, but in a God greater than all those things. What we have done as a culture and a society is we have put our hope in a country when it should be in a king. Oh my goodness, I'm preaching for a second to you. Come on, somebody. I feel good about that. And here's what happens as a culture and as a society. We can come down to the same place of where non-Christians are. And we can get caught up in all the foolish talks and disbelief and unbelief. And God is wanting us to say, wait a minute. Just because you're in the same storm doesn't mean you have to believe the same thing. Why? Because you serve a God who is greater. Oh my goodness, I'm just so hyped about this. I'm sorry. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. Our hope is not in a man. Our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is not in a system. Our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is not in a hope somebody can so-and-so get voted in. No, our hope is in Jesus. Here's what I know. He's above every vote. Here's what I know. He's above every sickness. Here's what I know. He's above every disease. Here's what I know. He's above all things. He is the name above all names. And so our hope must be tested through the trials. But we don't give up and let go of hope. We say we trust hard on hope because we know he is a God who is greater. I want to encourage you today. We're living in times where it's so easy to get caught up in what everybody else is saying and doing. And oh my goodness, here we go, a second wave. And oh my goodness, our country is, oh my goodness, have you seen the next generation? Oh my goodness, hey, I've seen it all. And here's what I know. I'm not looking at it through the eyes of my own natural self. I'm looking at it through the eyes of faith. And I know the God that I serve is in control. He's up to something. And let me tell you something. When he's up to something, it's something good. It's the God that we serve. Our, our hope will be tested. We must stand firm. Acts chapter 27 and verse 30. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors left, let the lifeboats down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes and held the lifeboat and let it drift away. 
just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat for the 14 days. He said, you have, not, you have been consistent, suspense, and have, not, and have gone without food. Excuse me. You haven't eaten anything in, your, in the last 14 days. Here's what's happening in this scripture. These men, they're going through this violent storm. The ship begins to just be shattered and broken. And they have this lifeboat that they know will save them, or they think will save them. And Paul says it's one of the craziest things. He says, cut it away. Let it go. You know, many of you have probably been on trips where you can, like a cruise or something, and if you're kind of walking around the cruise, you can see these big lifeboats. And these lifeboats are meant to, if the ship is sinking, if something's going wrong, we know this is the hope. This is what we'll use. This is what we'll take to get us to continue to be in safety and security. And Paul says, get rid of it. Uh, Paul, have you been here the last 14 days? We have gone through uh, literally everything you could possibly go through. We have no idea where we are and where the ship is about to break and about to, we're about to sink. We're all about to die and you're telling us to cut the lifeboats. Yes, cut the lifeboats. I love the scripture. It's so detailed. They cut the lifeboats and the Bible says that they watch it drift away. It's like a romance movie. It's like, bye boat. See you later. We're talking about trials. Now trials will test our hearts and trials will test our hope, but then trials will also test what we're holding on to. When we really get to a place of where we're scared or we're nervous or uncertain, we always look to grab something. You may have a friend. It may be your spouse, but you never admit it. That maybe drives like a maniac. And here's what happens when your friend slash spouse drives like a maniac, the first thing you do is you're like, ah, you go, you go hold on. I call it the uh-oh handle. The uh-oh handle is like up here. It's like, uh-oh, it's down here. It can be anywhere. I'm like the guy that like holds on and like kicks, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, just in case. Okay, not y'all, just me. Natural tendency is when we're scared to hold on. Here's what happens. They were holding on to this last resort of these lifeboats. And they said, okay, if nothing else works, we still got the lifeboats. And Paul says, get rid of it. So if nothing else works, I'm going to try to be a Christian. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try to believe. I'm going to try. But if nothing else works, you know what? I still, I still can go back to this relationship over here. You know what? I'm going to give it to God this single season. I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to trust him. But you know what? If it's, if it's more than two years, you know what? I can still go back to this relationship. I'm still holding on to something God is saying let go of. Oftentimes, as believers, as Christians, we have gotten caught up into the American culture, and that is this. We get caught up into the American dream, and that is, oh, you know what? I want to get a good education, and from a good education, I want to I wanna make a lot of money and get a good job. And, well, why do you want a good job? Make my money. Oh, so I can have, like, a beautiful wife or a stud of a husband, and so we can, like, we can have, like, a nice home. And, okay, well, why do you want a nice home? Oh, so we can have children. Okay, why do you want to have children? Oh, so I can, like, raise them and love them and care for them. Okay, why, what happens when they graduate? Oh, when they graduate, then I'll be able to, like, retire, and we can just travel the world. Okay, then what? Well, then I'll just die. That sounds terrible. The American dream has got us so caught up in holding on to something of this world that we're missing the things that really matter. 
See, I'm all for making money. I'm all for working hard. The Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. So please, if you want to eat, work. But here's what I know. If I hold on so tight to making money that I'm afraid to give it, I'm holding on to the wrong thing. If I hold on so tight to this relationship because I know I'm scared to be lonely and I'm scared to hold, I don't want to be alone. I want to make sure that I'm married by I'm 25 and I want to make sure I'm having kids at 29. I got to make sure I got my life planned out. I'm holding on. That's great. But if I'm holding on to it to the point of where I'm not able to trust God in every season, I'm holding on to the wrong thing. Here's the question that we have to ask ourselves. This is what trials do. They get us to a place where we evaluate, what am I really holding on to? If we're holding on to anything other than Christ, I'm not saying those things are bad. Listen, work hard. Yes, have a good education. Yes, but if those things come into priority over God, we're holding on to the wrong things. I want to encourage you. We will all face trials. Many of you may be walking through a trial, even now. You're believing for something big, and I'm, I'm, I'm believing with you. But I do know this, that trials will come, and they're meant to mature us, to allow us to build a stronger foundation in who he is and who he's called us to be. If we run from the trial, if we complain about the tr trial, if we complain to the point of where we start to grumble about that and we don't embrace, God is wanting us to be a people that embrace the trials that we walk through. Why? To count it as joy, pure joy, to rejoice. Why? Because I know as I walk through this tri trial, I don't like it, but I know God is doing something in me greater than what I can see in this moment, and he's setting me up for something better in the future. We've all at times where we've walked through trials. I'm living this message right now. Right now in the middle of this message, I'm living it. It's just we've been, Ashley and I have been walking through trials. We have. It is what it is, and we're okay with it. We know God's using it. We don't like it, but we know God's going to use it to continue to mature us. I'm like, God, I'm mature enough. You know what I'm saying? Praise God. Not really. I don't think so. But many of you know we've just had our first child, and, you know, we, we, we got her home to two days after being home, she was, she was there for one night at home, and we had to rush her to the hospital, and some complications happened, and we were at the hospital for another two days, and then we get her home, and it's day four, and I get a call. My mom got COVID, and so she has COVID, and we're trying to take care of her, and then, then day 10 happens of winter being born, and I get COVID, and now we have to, I, have to, I have to isolate. and uh, I shouldn't be, shouldn't be called isolation. It should be torture. You know what I'm saying? For those of you that are introverts, you're like, 10 days of isolation. Like for those of us that are extroverts, it's like literally you might as well stab me. I think being stabbed might be funner, praise God, than being by yourself all the time. And so I'm going through COVID and literally in the middle of that situation, I, 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 I knew Winter and was able to be with Winter for 10 days. And then I had to be separated from her for 10 days. Literally, I was like, I'm that dad. I'm the dad that's like abandoning their kid already, praise God. I'm going through the sicknesses, and as I go through that, and again, I'm telling you these things just because I want to encourage you that, listen, we all go through trials. Many of you have gone through COVID. Many of you had family members go through COVID. There's different th situations going on, but I do know this. No matter what we face, we serve a God who is greater. In the middle of being sick, in the middle of being isolated, in the middle of being down on myself because I'm by myself, I get a phone call from my dad. This past week, he was diagnosed with cancer. What do you do with that? 
Well, you're the pastor, like you're supposed to believe. Yeah, I understand that, but here's what I know. Did he do something? Oh, it must be something he did, like he had to have gotten to. No. Here's what it is. We walk through trials. And as we walk through trials, our, it doesn't shake our foundation. It sturdies our foundation. It sturdies, sturdies us into this, knowing this thought and this thought alone. This place is not my home. And so because I know this place is not my home, now whatever trial I face, no matter what my family faces, no matter what the enemy comes, I know this is not my home. And so here's what I do. Now I can trust in a God that says, you know what? You're greater than even sickness and death. The Bible says, oh, death, where is your sting? Here's what it is. There is no sting of death with God. Why? Because we're going on to a place that we will call home, a place of where we, God is preparing for us even in this moment. But we have to be mature enough to know even when I face the trial, God, I'm going to trust you. Well, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I don't know. Like, he might die. Like, oh, you're being kind of weird. Like, no, that's true. Like, he has gotten diagnosed. He may die. Here's what we know. Even though a doctor may say that, I know this. My God is bigger than any doctor's report. <gasps> well, you don't believe in doctors? No, I believe in doctors. But I also believe in a God who's greater than any trial we face. And he said he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. He will heal us. He will free us. He will deliver us. He he will, he will continue to walk with us. All we have to do is stand firm through every trial and say, God, my hope is in you and you alone. No matter what you face, oh my goodness, get this in your spirit. No matter what you face on this planet, your hope is in something greater. This is the God that we serve. I want to encourage you today, no matter what you face on this planet, he's with you. And not only is he with you, he loves you and he's for you. Amen. Can we pray today, Father? I